This episode of our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by Zapper. Zapper is one of the world's leading XR companies. Over the past 12 years, they've won numerous awards for memorable campaigns. They've democratized AR by making tools and SDKs that anyone can use. And they created Zapbox, the world's most affordable mixed reality headset. Most recently, Zapper worked with Unilever to create an enhanced QR code called Accessible QR, which enables packaged goods to speak to the blind and partially sighted. If you're thinking XR, give the team at Zapper a call or visit Zapper.com to see how they can help you on your XR journey. Good morning, everybody. It's February 2nd, 2024. I'm Charlie Fink with Roni Abovitz, Ted Shilowitz, and we are live and in person at the Sunset Marquee in Los Angeles. Good morning, everybody. Morning. So for most people listen to the podcast on audio, right? They put their, yes. their AirPods in and yeah. their earbuds and they listen. But in the rare occasion that you do want to watch a video version on YouTube, <laughs> uh, this might be the one to watch because we're actually all in real life together. 178 episodes. In meat space. 178 episodes. Four years. We have never, never recorded this show in person. And you've never done that live from the sunset. Never from sunset at, at any time. At AWE, <laughs> we did a whole series of interviews in person. Yes, that's uh, true. together uh, that were built into the podcast. Yes, this that's is true. the first time we're doing this like podcast. a regular episode, and it is a precious day, my friends. <laughs> it, it is February second, twenty twenty four, which is the Apple Vision Pro twenty twenty four. That's right. So, as you guys were postulating this morning on text, is today Newton two day or is the day? <laughs> The advent of spatial computing moving from the exotic to the beginnings of mainstream. I, I'm going to advocate that the device is the, the Apple Newton of VR, which was not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. To be the Apple Newton, like at some point later, it to be at the iPhone and the iPad. and right. But this really feels like the Newton to me. You've there are many things. I have great feelings about the Newton. It strikes me as the... That was the end of the interim guy who came in after Jobs before they brought Jobs. That was the John Scully moment. In fact, it's covered really well in General Magic because of the investment. And they copied General Magic. In General Magic and in the Newton simultaneously. I think I'm more with Roni's state of mind about this. I think. And you've tried it. Oh, yeah. Progress takes an interesting road, right? So if we look at the last 30, 40 years of people trying to figure out ways to wear something that is your visual, your audio visual experience, and then apply the Apple logic to that. This is step one in potentially a very long journey. And if you study what we're, we're recording this with a microphone and, and a laptop, right? Now people use laptops, they use tablets of all size that we call iPhones, we use watches. We have all these different devices that have screens on them of various formulations, including fairly mainstream VR devices in the hundreds of dollars now from our friends at Meta that have really pushed that envelope very far down the, the usability and affordability. Realm. And there's what, 20 to 30 million of those type of devices out there? There's all told, yeah. I think there's like less than zero chance the thing goes over a million units. This first gen device? I think that's probably, I think that's Apple's plan. Is this over... The lifetime, right. a couple of years, right? Yeah. They're not going to sell a million this year. They can't even make oh. a million. We'll see. No. I think, I think that, I mean, their, their brand is so powerful. I wouldn't be surprised. AVP pulls a million, but out of a billion or two billion iPhones, that's one one thousandth of their market. So that's what would make it the new. Now, eight generations later, it's 
actually going to have the iPhone moment. It, it, it'll be what, it's, this is the iPhone moment when Apple ships that, what Charlie's got on his head. Wireless, better resolution. Very LA in the middle of the winter to have these on your head. Put it on the Excuse table me. and charge it for 10 hours. But no, but that's like this. Let me just show it to the camera. This would have been the iPhone moment. This is what I thought they were going to do, not a type of big Oculus. Yeah. But there's also another thing, 2, 2, and 24. You couldn't pick a more unlucky number from the Chinese sides. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? You couldn't. No, I, the, the, the biggest unlucky number is like a 4. So I don't know who thought about that one. I, but... I, the only thing it makes me think of, because it's topical, is the Taylor Swift 13, which you guys know about this crazy conspiracy theory. No, no. 211, you add those numbers together, you 13. That's the day of the Super Bowl. Taylor Swift's favorite number is 13. The 49ers, 49. You add those two numbers together, you get 13. And there's one other 13. Oh, God. Watch this. this is so how did, how did you go and it turns to... out that Travis Kelsey is the devil. <laughs> how did we get to... No, we love, we love Taylor Swift. We, like... Just when you talk about lucky numbers and unlucky numbers, it just struck me because it is so weird culture right now. I have to ask you this, and uh, Roni. Oh. When you see Tim Cook on the cover of Vanity Fair and a breathless profile, doesn't a little bit feel like that should have been me on the cover oh, of Vanity Fair? Did you, does that, you have that thing? That's something I would have, right? I'll be really, I'll be really candid and honest. I'd say no. Cause I had my, I had the cover of Wired. I had my share. That's right. But you were on the cover of Forbes too, as I recall. Cover of Forbes. <laughs> Let Tim have his day. And by the way, the cover, with all due respect to everybody, I don't think it's something Steve would have done. That cover, that cover was reminiscent of basically Palmer Lucky yeah. wearing the Oculus on oh. the cover of Time oh, yeah. and jumping up in the air barefoot. Yeah, that, that, yeah. It, it doesn't have, and and people gotta go. It's like, why am I being critical? I'll be very positive, very critical in a second. It doesn't have the design elegance you would expect from Apple today. After mm -hmm. tens of billions of dollars and the shrinkage of size and all those things. That being said, it is an incredibly well. Do you remember what the device. quote is on the cover of the Vanity? It was something interesting. His something moment. His. Do you guys remember what it was? It was no, but it's break it, it, back, Let it, me it, see. It, I it, think it, I actually have a picture yeah, of it. Because uh, I was going to send it to uh, my the moon shot inside the making of the Apple Vision Pro, which I think is a little bit of a misnomer. It's not really a moonshot. There's nothing. Look. He's this, like well, almost one of the last guys doing it. the moot track's been going on since 2011, yeah. right? It's okay. We showed up to the game. Okay. You're doing the Apple version of it, but you're not the pioneers. You didn't do the breakthrough. Every single thing in that device was done by one of the companies that didn't come like 30 years ago, maybe a year or two ago or five years ago. So it's Apple's take on this. It's going to be very well engineered. I'm yeah. sure the resolution's great. Two years from now. Every Oculus system will have the same yeah, resolution at a price point well below $1,000. It's, it's really interesting the number of reviews that I have read. Here comes over, breakfast. Over yeah, breakfast. Oh my God. Breakfast. Live and in person, it is breakfast. This is all messy. This is like the live recording. This is like... <laughs> you know what we didn't do just like as like taking a, a break? You know? Taking That's a break it. for the chow to show up. I wanted to say that Tommy Palm... Long. Tommy... I'm not going to edit it out. Okay. Tommy Palm... The president of Resolution Games is our guest. He's our guest. Yeah, he's a CEO of Resolution And they're building for the Apple Vision Pro. Yes, right? and they've got Dungeons and Dragons for the Quest 3. So oh, he, we've got a lot to talk about. With right. well, Ted, you got to say something nice about it because you've tried it. So I'm actually going to be able to try it today, I think. Here's what I will say first about, and this is well-tread ground for us, that we talk about Apple doesn't innovate, Apple executes. And Apple they used to innovate. 
the Apple it's, One with Wozniak. Yeah, they're, they're a the original of iPod. Very distinct. Breakthrough. Yeah, but it wasn't the first. It wasn't the first, right. but when it came out, relative to everything else, yeah. it was much more of a breakthrough. Like you have to give them credit for the real breakthrough things and separate yeah, this from those. This isn't the iPhone. This isn't the iPod. This isn't like the Mac. This is this is the Newton. This reminds me yeah. most of the Newton, which wasn't a terrible device. It was just not the just, thing. The Newton did. Come on. The Newton was didn't work. Oh, come on. There's one of my friends. No, no. It's, Look, I think the thing that's really no important Newton. for our <laughs> listeners to synthesize is if you study full gamesmanship, how Apple plays the game, you can <laughs> argue innovation, but I argue that there's very little that Apple really did first, that mm. Apple really came into the world and said, we're going to invent this and design this. Going all the way back to the mouse and uh, IBM uh, research park, right? It was like, Steve saw something and the kernel of it was, we can make this better. And what Apple's legacy now is with this head-worn device is they see the ecosystem. They've been studying the ecosystem since the Samsung Gear VR. When we slapped a phone in it and everybody was like, that's really never going to hold water. But here we are, so let's try and use it. The various versions of tethered VR systems that are exotic and wonderful in certain ways, but are never going to go mainstream as a consumer device. What's the, the geek reference here? The Pixar teapot. <laughs> no way. Also, no. every Autodesk Maya thing no, comes with the teapot, right? So the, the point is that this could be an interesting watershed moment, but the difficulty that we all understand because we have synthesized these head-worn displays for so many cycles is the difficulty factor of this is way more than the laptop screen that we're working on. Oh, I sold them 20 times. Better. And right. Apple... Tim Cook has said this is the hardest thing they've right. ever built, maybe the most complex computing things they ever could So ultimately, you got to give them some time, and you've probably got to give them some time to make some tactical errors. I still think mm. the external battery pack is, well, you is a tactical it, you... error that they have to fix. I think the... That's, um, that's for the big boy there. The see-through-ish kind of eyeball The eyeballs thing. are weird. Let's, let's, yeah. First gen yeah, no eyeballs. Go away. eyeballs. Yeah, make it go away. But other than that, look, the device... And it's too heavy. It's exceptional in certain ways. And it will find interesting moments for people beyond that's what the medic ecosystem has found with gaming. And that's an interesting thing to study. But here's the thing. The use case of wearing it on an airplane, like Ted, you and I were talking about yeah, yeah. this week with Charlie. I could see that. And even the idea that you're going to disappear reality, all that's cool. You could still do that with almost any VR system. But can you wear the thing on a five-hour flight, California to New York? Can you wear it to Tokyo? Right now, you're going to have to bring a lot of batteries with you. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with the battery problem. We were talking about this yesterday. If you have a seat that's going to lay back enough that you can effectively make the top of the plane... So offload some of that weight. There is no battery on the back, right? It's just the strap. Yeah. So if you can lean back this way and watch, the answer is likely yes. If you're sitting at any kind of normal pitch... Less than an hour, I think that thing is going to be difficult. So, so that's why I think this is the Newton. It is not a consumer thing. Yeah. And I think they're calling a developer thing, but they're winking. And yep. look, we did some of that at Magic Leap. Like yep. it's for developers, it's for creators, it's for early consumers. But for an early consumer, you're thinking you're going to wear this on that plane and watch three movies like you would in your iPad. And that would actually be an awesome thing. And I guarantee you, Apple will get there. But on the vision, of who is going to be hardcore enough? To wear the thing for five, six hours, plugged into a battery, and then what does your face look like after all that weight's on there? So the well, weight thing actually bothers me. Like six hundred grams, it's we know it needs to be two hundred grams or less 
how are they going to shave away 400 grams of weight? It's just the evolutionary process, right? So I put up a link on my Forbes column, which also comes out as Spatial Beats on Monday on AR Insider, no firewall, for those of you who read it. And there is a link there to Road to BR's helpful summary of all the reviews of the Apple Vision Pro. I think there are no negative ones. I don't think anyone is recommending that a regular person rush out and buy one right now. And there were a few that were borderline religious, but I think James Cameron was probably the worst. He said it was a quasi-religious experience, which I don't, maybe he's never done VR before. Yeah, but, no, he's uh, done plenty of <laughs> but, but isn't that like, doesn't it, the brand power of Apple, let's just talk about that for a second. Irrespective of your anticipation and the psychology and belief in Apple in a religious way actually changes your mindset and perception. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of people who will overcome all issues that they would have not have overcome with any other company. Mm. And accept all the flaws we're discussing because they're so devoutly in belief of the sort of Apple cult. And we were that. Well, if you... I, after Magically by Campbeats, I competed with them and they're yeah. vicious as the competitors. <laughs> I think I said that on the air live. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Tim. <laughs> I, th- I think it's interesting because for the groups of people that have used it, the thing that I see over and over again is there are these moments of magical inspiration. And a lot of it has to do with how much energy and how much refinement they put into that launch experience and that look at the icons, do this very comfortably, and it really works. The thing about VR as a general category, right? Like that part's good. Is it never really a hundred percent works? You have to get into this zone where you're accepting the flaws, right? And that's part of the, the valley of I accept this and I know what the limitations are, and it's still quite magical. So their UI is good, right? Let's the get UI is amazing for a first gen sort of practicality use case. And the touch points of how you use the photos in it and how you use videos, all the things you do on your Mac. It's like if you're a gamer that plays on a PC and uses a Mac every day like we do, think about the, the delta between those two, right? If you're a PC gamer or a PlayStation gamer, that's your device for gaming. You don't game on your Mac, even though you, you use your Mac for productivity, for your emails, for your looking at your photos, sharing your photos, doing all that stuff. Movies. Watching movies. Everything's very refined on that front. This is essentially the head-worn version. Like I've said probably on this podcast for months now, it's a Mac on your face. But can you have like infinite number of Mac screens yet? Not infinite, but you can have a number of a bunch. Yeah. Of, I mean, you can have a logical, this is how you'd want to so, do it. So if you're a, a stockbroker and you want to use it to put up. So I'm a recording studio, like right? With yeah. a really You'll have a virtual recording studio. Wouldn't that be awesome to have? All these screens around and all your virtual sure. instruments and panels. But can oh, yeah. you really do that about now? That. that would be. Pro Audio is a big Mac Pro, iMac yeah, Pro yeah. community, right? Yeah. I'm sure they all want, as well, I would. There are companies, like, Real is working on this and has been. There are five or six companies doing glasses that give you the multiple metaphor of multiple screens. It has never really caught on because none of the devices get to that level of refinement that you want to use it over and over again. And this is what we need or to see. Or where, now. here's the problem. It, I have the refinement in the Vision Pro for the first 15 minutes, but I have a 10-hour recording session. How long until I'm? I, how long until it's actually there? Are we talking Newton to iPhone? Are we talking like a decade? I would think you're talking five years. Yeah, I, I think things don't take a decade anymore to either find their success or find their failure or find their neutral point of this is how you use that, right? Things in the Apple ecosystem that people use sometimes, I mean, but not all the didn't time. Didn't this take a decade? 
pretty close to, to get good, yeah. right? Yeah. I think I think it's going to take them at least three years to I come up five years to get to a thousand dollar device that can do all these things. To get and, to the iPhone, yeah, it's, it's probably three to five years. Yeah. But we should say congrats to Tim and team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's, they're doing something that's impossible. So let's not forget that. Yeah. Can, can I say one thing about this whole field? Though? I feel like spatial computing, which the term is not something they invented, not at all. Actually, like almost 20 years. At least, yeah. Uh, it's like a very seductive siren. Like, I think it's cost Mark hundreds of billions of market cap, probably close to 100 billion. Well, like, guess what? After their earnings call yesterday, they gave it all. No, but you know what? The metaverse punishment is over. Yeah. Even after but Tim, Congress and the whole thing. It's, oh, it's what it's I mean. All, that is part of the news. We should segue. We should Just talk before we bring in Tommy, Mark Zuckerberg must have. Uh, a neck brace on because on Wednesday he's in Washington having to apologize on national television to the parents of a child who committed suicide because of bullying on Facebook. He was absolutely had to sit there in a suit in a hot room while people took pictures of him and senators scored political points off of his willingness to, to take it and to show up. He flies back to Silicon Valley, has his earnings call in which he says they've had a record Q4. He announces a dividend of almost six bucks for a technology company to give a dividend of six bucks. WTF had a stock buyback, but they added on the XR front that they had passed a billion dollars in revenue. They passed a billion dollars in revenue for the Reality Labs division for the first time. Now that said, the cost of launching the Quest 3 was about $5 billion. Charlie, they're also spending that billion in revenue is about $15 billion a year, roughly, in ongoing expenses. Yes. Right. So to make $1 billion yeah. in XR today, I know. Cost- so, there were so many people on the socials yesterday taking a, uh, yesterday afternoon, taking a victory lap about that. I'm like, wow, that is a selective. I thought that was the least impressive thing on their call. But in the spirit of it being Vision Pro Day, let us all say congratulations to Zuck because he got his beating over the metaverse. His stock was down to he's on the other side 120. He's way on the other side, the side of the room. And he's under. getting validated by Tim. Yes, he is. Now there's a race yes, and, and they will make a market that's good for everybody. So everyone in, in the field, including the company I started, are all going to benefit from this giant oh, push yeah. of tens of billions of R&D and marketing dollars. It'll change the supply chain. Create consumer. It'll actually create. Well, a- and of course, it helps developers because it's a bigger develop- ecosystem, and they can have a cross-platform. Because put- those two up- fighting it out will actually create hundreds, maybe thousands of sub-businesses. And it's a good thing. But there's a, a third and a fourth wild card here. Okay, the fourth we don't know much about because that's the Samsung, yes. Google, oh, Qualcomm thing, right. which really interesting kind of potential wild card because somebody is going to own the Android part of the air glasses space, and Absolutely. is that going to be? Meta, or could it be Xreal, which just announced that they raised six, another sixty million it's, at it's a billion dollar value? It's not going to be that who I shall not name. Yes, but I, but I, the I was, other guys. I know I'm always reluctant. Meta, to, and I'm almost, always reluctant to bring Xreal because the founder was a former employee with whom you've had some uh, disputes. Yeah, maybe the company. The company has. That's I never. The company has. She's a. He's a nice guy. So whatever happened with the company. We wish him well, but he revealed the new Ultra, the Air 2 Ultra at CES, and they are spatial computing glasses. He brought back the 
and real light was completely way too early, janky. They tried to make their own operating system, which is as always a dumb thing to do. And they just couldn't make it work. And they pivoted and saved the company with these screen reflector glasses as an accessory to your that viewing accessory, a second screen for your Actually, smartphone. he's doing what a lot of people at Apple would have done first. Yeah. A much sleeker version of that yeah. as an accessory to the iPhone and then grow up. Right. So he's brought the spatial that they jettisoned to get themselves on track. Got cameras and computers. And now they're, right, exactly. And now they're iterating on it. And he's, it's, you know, totally sixed off. So supposedly can, you know, outward facing cameras. Look, it's got the new Qualcomm chip in it. Charlie? Yes, please. Without, it's not a direct reference to them. But the IP landscape of this field is going to be fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Because Apple has done IP filings. I know my company did a ridiculous amount. Sure. And it's going to be like the shootout over the next five years will be like market share, consumer adoption. But the IP landscape, I, I look at what's out there and everyone is stepping on everyone. When the lawyers IP. start yeah. digging, it's going to have to get sorted out. Of stories, but... And I think only the big, super well-funded survive that kind of craziness. Yeah. Look, I've tried the X-Rail devices you have. They're, they're in the category of good enough now. They're starting. They're still a little clunky. They're not that comfortable, but and the tether and the tether is yeah, it's going to go away. Apple will do a version of that, but it's better. Yeah, it's and uh, that'll be the end of X. X Real has big execution issues. It's not so easy from the other side of the world to make a device and distribute and market it. They certainly they built up their profile in the industry. I don't know what their profile is among consumers. I think it's probably rather low because all the air is being sucked out of the room by Meta and Apple, at, at least for right now. But I think we'll start seeing these in the wild. And, and that, that could start well, if, something. If you think of them as China Inc. owned subsidiaries, they're going to do well in China eventually That's and like, Hong Kong and Taiwan. And so they're doing well enough as a well-funded startup to move part of the need to keep yep. that part of the vision going. The idea of a glasses form factor experience and they'll push. But they represent a a unit of China Inc., not really an independent company. Sure. I think what we're going to see, who's really going to compete with Apple and Meta? China is going to be launching dozens of competitors. Just like in the electric car market. Absolutely. And they're going to follow and copy and innovate. And it's going to be, that's the real competition here. That's going to be very interesting. We need to bring in our guests. They did have one other story that I wanted to talk about this week which is the launch of Google Gemini, which is the upgraded version yeah. of Bard. And I've been using it. And you know what? Crazy good. It's right? really good. Yeah. It's, 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 kind it, of it's ChatGPT. Good. And also, I use ChatGPT. I, I surprise myself how much I find I'm using it now. As it gets well, now that ingrained. it's integrated in this, oh, I know. I use it a lot just to ask and, questions. And you'll never be bored again because you can always just sit here conjuring things up and Dolly. Didn't our producer make an app that, like, oh, yeah, Lauren, to the shout out to Lauren, our AP. Absolutely. She could not do the show without her. Yeah. She, she was working on a startup. I and don't... by the way, there, there's an underlying story, I think. See if you guys concur with this. About you talked about Meta turning this amazing corner and delivering all this revenue. I read a number of stories about how one the when they the Apple made their change in privacy and there was this big sort of dip and everyone was concerned about ad revenues and a Meta stock went down. I read a number of articles that Meta put their AI expert on redefining how they could figure out 
how to target ads and how to deliver relevant oh, ads to people, even without... if they don't have the tracking. Right. Oh, and they do yeah. multiple tests. They constantly are testing to see what picks up within different audiences. And then they take the AI and it reconstitutes that and then delivers those messages and then gives a value back they to did that. Yeah. yeah. And therefore, they basically talk about gamesmanship. They took what could potentially have been a death call for them and used AI and all of their technology around AI to turn an interesting corner there, which I thought was really interesting. They reshaped the game board. They reshaped the game board. Look, it's a very smart, capable company. Tommy. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? you Very good. Do you know Ted and Roni? I met Roni before. Don't think I met Ted. I don't know if we met. I certainly am a fan of what you're doing and the work that you've been doing in both the spatial gaming world and the regular gaming world. We're thrilled to have you. You're here on a very special day, and uh, and I know you've actually got a, a lot to say about it. But Apple's not only is it the Apple Vision Pro launch day, but Ted and Roni and I have done almost 200 episodes of this podcast, and never have we been live and in person and co-present in the physical world, which is uh, you know, crazy. And we see each other. Ted, Ted and I both live in L.A., but uh, we've never recorded this together. We're always in our T-shirts in our basements uh, drinking coffee at 8 in the morning. But here we are at the beautiful Sunset Market. Live at the Sunset Market. I know, and Roni's got his best radio voice. It's too bad we don't do stingers for the <laughs> podcast because I could grab a few here. And anyway, resolution. You have been with the Apple Vision Pro for a while now, developing one of its launch apps. Yeah, very exciting to see this monumental milestone in, in, the, in the world of XR. So it reminds me a lot about when the first Magic Leap was also something that me personally had been hoping for really long time to to get a device out that people could buy even at a even though a high price originally both for the magic leap vision pro obviously it's a it's a deep price point but i think that there's a lot of enthusiasts that so i want a glimpse of the future i'm sure our listeners are very curious about what you are doing within that ecosystem what you are building and when you plan on launching it and what it's going to be so Game Room launched today. It's available uh, on the Apple Arcade. Uh, so if you have an iPhone or an iPad, you can try it out there. It's uh, cross-play between different devices. You can play chess or cards or dice games with your friends. A lot of classic things that you wouldn't normally see from resolution games. A lot of our things are more regular gamers games with yeah. Angry Birds, for instance, that we did for Magic Leap, which uh, was a super fun project. But that was this is one of these things when these are things that a lot of people are already familiar with. They know how to play it. And we add a little bit of fantastic elements to it. So it, now it's... So there's work. a... There's oh, a the Angry Birds was amazing. It was amazing in the Magic Leap. Yes. I've done it. It's fantastic. But, Agreed. But there's a deeper instinctual moment that goes all the way back to Angry Birds. Because I've made this reference before about Angry Birds as a gaming experience figured out a way to use the internal GPS of the iPhone, the first or second gen iPhone, pretty early on, to have that experience of a virtual rubber band and a virtual spatial experience. So yes, you're on a traditional screen, but you guys figured something out in terms of the mentality of how people would understand 
3D space. It goes back to the Nintendo Wii, right? I talk about the Nintendo Wii being the first spatial gaming experience because you weren't using a controller, you're using a pretend controller to be a tennis racket, a boxing glove, a, a bowling ball, etc. You guys tapped into that in the mobile world. And it's interesting that here, are we 15 years later, 18 years later, whatever it is, continuing that spatial journey. And this is both cross-platform, right? So you can play it on today's semi-spatial device, an iPhone, or tomorrow's truly spatial device, this Vision Pro, right? And they come out simultaneously. Am I, am I stating it correctly? Yeah. So I think that's now, really I think one, one of the great things with the, 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 the third dimension here is that it becomes so much more intuitive, right? When you, and especially if you can uh, use your hands and have like really great hand tracking and the direct control of picking something up. And I think that was one of the magic of the first iPhone. Right. And you could just see and, and have direct manipulation of virtual object. That was on a 2D device, but... I think people are really excited about what you guys, knowing all the sensors on the Vision Pro and what it can do and having experience in spatial for a number of years now, you guys are coming in ready. So I think people are quite excited about what you actually will do, maybe not just immediately, but what happens over the next year and over two years as you really get comfortable with what that system does. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic to have another very powerful device in the ecosystem. And I also like how the, this, we've been saying for a long time that we think that eye tracking and hand tracking is going to be one of those keys that's going to unlock it for a much broader audience. So that's something I've personally always been very interested in. You guys also, not to get off of the Vision Pro prematurely, but you announced a deal with Wizards of the Coast to bring Dungeons and Dragons to VR. That may be the biggest title yet. Quite a big piece of IP. That anybody has announced. Yeah. That's a pretty big piece of the world celebrate and dance. And that alone may be insane. Yeah. It's a great honor. I think, obviously, Dungeons and Dragons have inspired a lot of video games back from the 70s and up till these days. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic to be able to work with such a strong IP that a lot of people really love and have fond memories of playing with their with their friends. And Can you give us some nuggets on what that experience will be like in an Apple Vision Pro or another? Uh, well, wait, just let me ask a quick question about Dungeons and Dragons. That's Wizards of the Coast. So Wizards of the Coast, yeah. And are they owned by one of the big toy companies They're owned themselves? By, uh, still owned by Hasbro, Hasbro, right? They're owned by Hasbro. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, yeah. Just making sure. Just, They're owned by Hasbro. Paramount does the movie side of that world. And... You guys are doing the gaming side of that world, which is very exciting. I, I will tell you what I saw. You don't have to comment on it, but there's a competitors to Wizards of the Coast. And when I was in LA right before the pandemic, a team showed me what they had built with our device, where you still roll the dice, you have the cards and the gaming table, but then the things that you're doing come to life. Mm. And that early prototype was spectacular. So like they grow out of the... Yeah, and, and there's, I don't know, 60 to 100 million hardcore gamers who play like Magic the Gathering, Wizards of the Coast. Like, I'm surprised no one went after that hard. So it was a small game studio in LA that showed this to me. It was really amazing. So I imagine like a bigger studio with what you guys are doing with Wizards, which is the ultimate yeah. brand here, is going to make something. There's a game on the quest called Demio or Demio. Yeah. That is recently it's loved. A, it's yeah. a similar, the trope is the same. It's a concept of that sort of role-playing role game. world, right? I think you need that 
stranger things moment where you see your friends, you roll the dice, all of a sudden and the dragon happened. comes to life, the characters are on the table. That really feels like magic. Sure. He's smiling. So can so, you tell us a little bit about it? What, what Dino, Dino is actually one of uh, our games. And that's uh, something that I've worked extensively with and we have been trying to be just that. Base it in something that people are really familiar with, like dice and miniatures, and then add this kind of magic of fireballs and seeing your friend and having them customize getting new hands. Yeah. And that's all, I mean, maybe this. this is something you can say or not say, but that's all virtual reality now, but is there a mixed reality version either in the works or coming for the Quest 3 that will allow what Roni was talking about so you have yeah. multiple versions on multiple devices? Yeah, that's already out and the people are enjoying it uh, immensely. So that's so that world is already in existence, which is exciting. I'm going to ask you an interesting question. Having You're playing with the Vision Pro, an early developer. Do you think this is the device, this generation, that breaks open, or do you think it's a couple more generations from now? What's your take on it? I, I personally see it as a tipping point. When, how when Apple released the iPhone, smartphones were already around, but... Apple is such an incredibly incredible company when it comes to storytelling, packaging, hardware, and software, and getting everything together and to creating fantastic consumer experiences. So I've, I've been hoping for this moment for a really long time, and I'm very, I think it's a very bold move. And it's interesting to read all the reviews. They're, they're, some are very positive, some are mixed. Yeah, and I, the reason to the mix is that people, it's so new. A lot of people don't know what to use this for yet. Mm -hmm. And I think a large part of that is up to the software developers. What can you do in this? When people now finally have this magic hardware, what can you do with it? And I think it's not only games, obviously. It's a lot of things that is intersecting the world of games and education and sports. Some of the games that we are most proud of is we recently announced something, a game called the Racket Club, where you're playing tennis in a social setting. You can just go and watch other people play doubles. Uh, and it's, it's incredibly fun to really use your arms, just like you did in the Wii. Remember the Wii Sports was such a yeah. awesome way of introducing to grandma video games for the first time. Yeah, so you're just continuing to build and, and create more and more expertise and technical plumb around this idea of a spatial universe that is artificial, right? It's, we're building simulation-based behavior games, which is what you do with Angry Birds, pull the thing back, fire, what you're doing with tabletop games, now not in a number of things. So maybe give us a little sense of the success of your company. How big is it? How long has it been in existence? How many people work on it? Where do you all work? Are you all in the same place or do you work in multiple places around the world? A little sense for our listeners about who Resolution Games is as, a, as an entity. Yeah, thank you. I founded the company a little bit more than nine years ago and we're now 140 people. We have the main office in, in Stockholm, Sweden. There's a lot of talented game developers there. We have a few people here in the US. I'm temporarily here in the Bay Area myself right now. And we've been quite productive. We use rather small teams, very experienced people that try to be as efficient as we possibly can on getting innovative 
risk-taking titles out to the market. I was going to ask that because you mentioned that you're out of Sweden. There's something about the Nordic culture and gaming that creates amazing successes. There are multiple companies in those Nordic countries that have way over-indexed in their success. And pop music, absolutely. Spotify, yes. So do you have any uh-huh. comments on that? Living in that culture, being in that Nordic culture, what is it about? Is it something about the isolation of being far away, but being connected close with technology? Well, there's there's got to be some reason that this happens. Uh, I, I think part of it is, is weather a little bit. It's you're uh, indoors. Really, yeah, it's not so easy to be outside. Yeah, so video games is a great pastime, a great way of meeting friends and hanging out together. So I think a lot of young people in in the Nordic countries love to meet their friend on Discord and just play a bunch of video games and having that as instead of you know, going out in the sun I see behind you. Oh, and, exactly. Yeah, Ronnie just mentioned out. Minecraft, which is of course, and people often uh, refer to the success point of Microsoft way too because of the Seattle dynamic of the rains all the time. You're inside <laughs> on your computer, super productive. <laughs> It makes logical sense that they would recognize, maybe we should buy Minecraft. <laughs> Pretty fascinating. Really interesting. Psychology mm-hmm. of how people with their weather patterns create things is interesting. I, there's also, a, I, I forgot their name, but I, my friends in Stockholm and Sweden talk about this. There's like a low ego. You don't want to be the tall tree or something. So there's the humility people bring. Even if you're famous, you don't show it off very much. And like that with the work ethic maybe also helps. Yeah, I definitely think that we try to have a very flat hierarchy and have everybody as responsible for the product as you possibly can be. If somebody sees, oh, this isn't as usable as I would like to, no matter if you're working with animations or if you're a programmer, you're going to want to deal with it because it's your product and you take a lot of pride in your work. And I think the smaller the team is, the easier it is to get into that situation where everybody really feels somebody's got to do it. It, it better be me. Yeah. That's great. It's amazing. So what is it like to work with Wizards of the Coast on Dre- Dungeons and Dragons? Are they, did they come to you and say, we know how we want to do this? Or did they come to you and say, you guys are experts in immersive. Tell us how to do it. Yeah. I'm afraid I can't say very much about that yet. It's just announced that we're teasing that we're doing this. But yeah, it's been, I think, a great situation where we obviously played their game and their world for a long time internally. And they had also, some of the key players there had played our game Demio and knew our work in that space. And it felt like a really great cultural match. And they were some big believers in the new technology. That was my instinct is that they saw your other game on the quest and understood that you had expertise in this, that you figured this out, that you figured out the use case and how people liked it. And they said, go with where the expertise is, go with someone that figured this out and apply our IP to that. Because the trope of, of Demio is the similar, very similar conceptual. So it makes sense to me. I'm just We're excited think, to see what happens. Yeah, for me, one of the magic with XR platforms is this that you really feel like you transported, teleported to the same place as your friend, which is a multiplayer setting. You go, it feels like going to a location more than it does just playing a game. And with Demio, you can play it both in VR or XR, but you can also play it on flat screen. And it's a decent game on your PC or Mac, but 
you don't at all get as immersed and you don't feel that sense of presence as much as you do when you hear your friend from that side of the table and you it's uh, it really uh, creates a magic that a lot of people haven't seen before you've had so your team has had uh, vision pro for a while to do the early development of the game room apps so have people been using it for productivity and just every day or is it something you're using exclusively just to develop these specific games Trying to get a user perspective. Yeah, I'm afraid it tangents some of the stuff that I'm open to talk about. But I look forward to picking up my personal Apple Vision Pro tomorrow. I'll be able to tell you more about using it personally after that. I really look forward to it. I think there is so many exciting use cases that I would love to try out. I hear that there is a lot of different apps already so i i, I look forward 600 i heard this morning also the mm-hmm. uh, yeah and a lot of them are just ported over from and the regular like app had, yeah. ports, but I, there's so many developers on it's gonna be like a million be, you know, oh, yeah. community doing this yeah of course can, can i ask you have you have you ordered your own i i made an appointment to use his yeah <laughs> So we will. Uh, we I have a friend in LA who works at a studio is giving me uh, a test from Look, see, yeah, nice. Yeah. Hopefully, the our listeners will not have to suffer too much FOMO and will make it to their local Apple store to get a demo there. They have done a fantastic job launching the product, and just the amount of awareness that a company like Apple can create mm-hmm. is, you know, every once in a while it gets demonstrated to you, like when they launch a new Star Wars movie, but this is beyond that. This is like a tech cultural moment that we will look back on. I don't know whether we'll say it's an inflection point or a milestone, but it certainly is a very clear marker on the road to always on immersive, invisible computing. If you're in business school marketing, this is the ultimate brand power moment. Oh, yeah. Like how flexing your brand globally culturally comes in and scale matters being a three trillion dollar company matters having every journalist doesn't want to piss you off matters but all that is part of the story right it's all part of it yeah yeah it is true and as i often say one of the great things about my job is you could not make this stuff up i don't need to write fiction i just need to write down what just because i certainly would could never make this up and again some of these things happen and they just make you understand the world better Absolutely. And Tim, get Charlie a system too. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have your look. I don't know if Apple will send Charlie one. No, I don't think we it. have ways. We have yeah, ways. we uh, Ted is Ted's office is nearby. Yeah, so have I'll ways. have my I'll have my You'll uh, have your look see. I'll have my look see and use our platform here to blab about it. Yeah. Because as opposed to you, I am a leaky mouth. <laughs> you are a leaky mouth. It's your job, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Not allowed to do that. Tommy, good to see you. Thanks for dropping in with us. This is a very historic day, not just because we're together, but because this new spatial platform is now available and is certainly going to dramatically affect the yeah. landscape we all live in going forward. Two, two will certainly go down to history as some moment in time that we'll all look back on. It. I'm going to look back on it because I was with you guys live and in person. Live at the, the sunset, sunset. Marquee. 
Do you want to do an outro with your radio voice? Can we put some live from the Sunset Marquee? Thank you for listening. This is This Week in XR, live at the Sunset Marquee. (laughs) Have a great weekend, everybody. Good to see you, Thompson.